Welcome to Jesus is the Voice of Truth. Cultivating a lifestyle of generosity will transform every aspect of your life, marriage, family, relationship, and your finances. Join Michael Montoya from Jesus for Life Ministries as he reveals the truth to experiencing God's abundance and grace every day. Welcome to Jesus is the Voice of Truth. Today's lesson is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So turn your Bibles to John chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. And let's start. Chapter 14, verses 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now believe in me in the same way. Here is an important claim to equality with God the Father. Chapter 14, verse 2 says, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, what I have told you, that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? My Father's house refers to heaven, where there are many dwelling places. There's a room there for all who are redeemed. If it were not so, the Lord would have told him. He would not have them build up their false hopes. I go to prepare a place for you may have two meanings. The Lord Jesus went to Calvary to prepare a place for his own. It is through his atoning death that believers are assured a place there. But also, the Lord went back to heaven to prepare a place. We do not know very much about this place, but we know that the provisions is being made for every child of God. A prepared place for a prepared people. Let's look at chapter 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also be where I am. Verse 3 refers to the time when the Lord will come back again in the air, when those who died in faith will be raised, when the living will be changed, and when all the blood-bought throng will be taken home to heaven. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 58. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortal. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is a personal, literal coming of Christ. As surely as he went away, he will come again. His desire is to have his own with him for all eternity. Let's look at chapter 14, verses 4 and 5. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus, the way to the Father. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. So how can we know the way? He was going to heaven, and they knew the way to heaven. For he had told them many times. Apparently, Thomas did not understand the meaning of the Lord's words. Like Peter, he may have been thinking of a journey to some place on earth. Chapter 14, 
Verses 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. This lovely verse makes it clear that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is the way to heaven. He does not merely show the way, he is the way. Salvation is in a person. Accept the person as your own and you have salvation. Christianity is Christ. The Lord Jesus is not just one of many ways, he is the only way. No one comes to the Father except through Him. The way to God is not by the Ten Commandments, the Golden Rule, Ordinance, Church Membership. It is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Too many say that it does not matter what you believe as long as you are sincere. They say that all religions have some good in them and that they all lead to heaven at last. But Jesus says, No one comes to the Father except through Me. Then the Lord is the truth. He is not just one who teaches the truth. He is the truth. He is the embodiment of truth. Those who have Christ have the truth. It is not found anywhere else. Jesus Christ is the life. He is the source of life, both spiritual and eternal. Those who receive him have eternal life because he is the life. Chapter 14, verses 7. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. And have seen him. Once more, the Lord taught the mysterious union that exists between the Father God and himself. If the disciples would have recognized who Jesus really was, they would have known the Father also, because the Lord revealed the Father to men. From now on, and especially after Christ's resurrection, the disciples would understand that Jesus was God the Son. Then they would realize that to know Jesus was to know the Father. And to see the Lord Jesus was to see God the Father. This verse does not teach that God and the Lord Jesus are the same person. There are three distinct persons in the Godhead, but there is only one God. Chapter 14, verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us a Father, and that will be enough for us. Philip wanted the Lord to give some special revelation of the Father, and that would be all he would ask. He did not understand that everything the Lord was, and did, and said, was a revelation of the Father. Chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you in such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus patiently corrected him. Philip had been with the Lord for a long time. He was one of the first disciples to be called. Let's look at John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Yet the full truth of Christ's deity and his unity with the Father had not yet dawned on him. He did not know when he looked at Jesus, he was looking at one who perfectly displayed the Father. Let's look at chapter 14, verses 10 through 11. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. The words I am in the Father and the Father in me describe the closeness of the union between the Father and the Son. They are separate persons, yet they are one as an attribute and will. We should not be discouraged if we cannot understand this. No mortal mind will ever understand the Godhead. We must give God credit for knowing things that we can never know.
if we fully understood him, we would be as great as he is. Jesus had power to speak the words and to do the miracles, but he came into the world as a servant of Jehovah, and he spoke and acted in perfect obedience to the Father. The disciples should believe that he was one with the Father because of his own testimony to that fact. But if not, then they should certainly believe because of the works that he performed in front of them. Let's look at chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. The Lord predicted that those who believed on him would perform miracles like he did, and even greater. In the book of Acts, we read the apostles performing miracles of bodily healing similar to those of the Savior. But we also read, such as the conversion of the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. Doubtless, it was to the worldwide proclamation of the gospel, the salvation of so many souls, and the building of the church that the Lord referred to by the expression, Greater Works. It is greater to save souls than to heal bodies. When the Lord returned to heaven, he was glorified, and the Holy Spirit was sent to the earth. It was through the Spirit's power that the apostles performed these greater miracles. Let's look at chapter 14, verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What a comfort it must have been to the disciples to know that even though the Lord was leaving them, they could pray to the Father in his name and receive their requests. This verse does not mean that a believer can get anything he wants from God. The key to understanding the promise is in the words in my name. Whatever you ask in my name. So to ask in Jesus' name is not simply to insert his name at the end of the prayer. It is to ask in accordance with his mind and will. It is to ask for those things which will glorify God, bless mankind, and be for our own spiritual good. In order to ask in Christ's name, we must live in close fellowship with him. Otherwise, we would not know his attitude. The closer we are to him... Tomorrow desires will be the same as he is. The Father is glorified in the Son because the Son only desires those things that are pleasing in God's eyes. As prayers of this nature are presented and granted, it causes great glory to be brought to God. Let's look at chapter 14, verse 14. You must ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. The promise is repeated for emphasis and as strong encouragement to God's people. Live in the center of his will. Walk in fellowship with the Lord. Ask for anything that the Lord would desire and your prayers will be answered. I'd like to finish by giving everyone a chance to know Jesus better. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Prayer salvation is our first real conversation with God. The prayer salvation is the most important prayer you'll ever pray. When you're ready to become a Christian, you're ready to have our first real conversation with God. And these are the components. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ is God and that he came to the earth as a man in order to live the sinful life that we could not live. That he died in our place so that we would not have to pay the penalty we deserve. We confess our past life of sin, living for ourselves and not obeying God. We admit that we are ready to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. We ask Jesus to come into our heart, take up residence there, and begin living through us. It begins with faith in God. When we pray the prayer of salvation, we're letting God know we believe that His Word is true. By the faith that He has given us, we choose to believe in Him. 
The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11:6. So when we pray, asking God for the gift of salvation, we're exercising our free will to acknowledge that we believe in him. That demonstration of faith pleases God because we have freely chosen to know him. We are confessing our sin. When we pray the prayer of salvation, we're admitting that we've sinned. As the Bible says of everyone, saved through Christ alone, for all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. To sin is simply falling short of the mark, as an arrow that does not quite hit the bullseye. The glory of God that we fell short of is found only in Jesus Christ. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.6 so the prayer of salvation then recognizes that Jesus Christ is the only human who ever lived without sin. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 What we are doing is we are professing faith in Christ as Savior and Lord. With Christ as our standard of perfection, we're now acknowledging him as God. Agreeing with the Apostle John that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. Because God could only accept a sinless sacrifice because He knew that we could not possibly accomplish that. He sent His Son to die for us and pay the eternal price. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. Listen, if you want to say it today and mean it with your heart, don't wait a moment longer to start your new life with Jesus Christ. Remember, this prayer is not a magical formula. You are simply expressing your heart to God. And if you'd like to do that, Pray this prayer with me. Father, I know that I have broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. I am truly sorry and I now want to turn away from my past sinful life towards you. Please forgive me and help me avoid sinning again. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and hears my prayers today. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please send your Holy Spirit to help me obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So now you've prayed this and you're probably thinking, I prayed it, now what happens? If you prayed this prayer of salvation with true conviction in your heart, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. This is a fact. Whether or not you feel any different, you are. Some religious systems may lead you to believe that you might feel something like a warm glow, a tingling, or some mystical experience. In fact, you might and you might not. If you have prayed the prayer of salvation and you meant it, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that your eternal salvation is secure. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10.9. So welcome to the family of God. We encourage you to find a local Bible-based church where you can fellowship with other believers and grow in the knowledge of God through His Word, the Bible. This ministry is listener-supported. If you feel that you have benefited from this message from God, please consider helping to support this ministry and give a gift of any amount 
so we can continue to spread the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit on this platform. Go to JesusIsTheVoiceOfTruth.com and may the Lord richly bless you, your family, and friends. Until next time, God bless. And remember, Jesus is the voice of truth. I hope you enjoyed today's program. If you have any prayer requests or questions about Jesus is the voice of truth, we encourage you to email us at voiceoftruth411 at gmail.com or visit our website at jesusisthevoiceoftruth.com. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. Have a blessed day.